this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. My name is Logan. I'm the associate pastor at Lower Manhattan Community Church in uh, downtown Manhattan. So I get to join you guys as a guest this evening. Um, I have had the privilege of knowing Daniel and Larry, your pastors, for almost four years now. Um, and I've worked with them and I've heard their dreams for this church. I've heard their prayers for you. And so it's really a good thing for me to worship with you and to hear and to see your faces, um, to be a part of what God is doing here in Queens. Um, I have the privilege of preaching tonight, but before I do, I just want to pray. So will you please pray with me? Father, I want to pray on behalf of those who are not feeling your presence that don't feel like you have come through for them or that you are working on their behalf or they can't see you in everyday life. I ask that you might make your word come alive, but more so that you would come alive in their lives. And so God, I ask that my words would be pleasing to you, but also that they would be powerful to someone tonight in a way that could awaken them to what you want to do in them, what you want to do through them, and what you want to do through this church. So we surrender this time for you. So lead us and teach us. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Well, the title of my message comes from that passage. It's that phrase, represent the people. Um, that's the whole idea of this Hebrews 5, 1 through 6, represent the people, and I want to deal with two questions for you. How does Jesus change how you relate to God? How does Jesus change how you relate to God? And I want you to be thinking of these things as we're going. But second, how does that change the way you relate to those you love? Because this passage isn't merely about you and God as some individualistic spiritual reality But you have people in your life that you care for. And for them, you are likely their representation of who God is. And so how you relate to God changes the way you relate to them, which could let them relate to God. And so we're going to unpack that. The whole series is called Jesus is Better. But to start off by talking about representatives, I'm going to share a little bit about um, my family and my kids. Um, I have three kids Um, two boys and a girl. Um, My second son, Calvin, is 10. And last year in fourth grade, they did Model UN. Anybody heard of this? Where in their class, he got to apply and then be accepted and appointed as a representative. And he got to be the representative of Australia. And for this Model UN, they were discussing climate change. And so he had to research the coral reef and how climate change was destroying the coral reef and then advocate on behalf of the Australian people for how the world should change to save the coral reef. Now, 
it got me really thinking about how it was probably fun for Calvin to play Model UN, but how bad it would be if Calvin was actually Australian's like representative at the real UN. And like right now, we are so globally informed that we think that we could be global influencers. But the fact is, we're still kind of globally ignorant. Like it would be foolish for me to try to advocate for Australia living in Manhattan. And the same is true when it comes to God. That it would be foolish for us to try to let somebody else represent us before God who doesn't know anything about God, who doesn't know how he relates to people, who doesn't know what he wants for people. But how good is it? How good is it that God himself came down in Jesus Christ to say, I know exactly what God wants, I know exactly what you need, and I will be your representative before him for your good. That's way better. The same reason that Australian points an Australian diplomat at the UN, God says, I'm going to give a direct line to you. So the question is, how does that work? And so I want to look at Jesus being a better representative who does better actions on your behalf so that you get better benefits. Better representative, better actions, better benefits. So representatives. There's a few bad examples that we have of representatives. The first is Congress, right? So we elect people to represent us theoretically on our behalf in Washington, D.C., Now, they are advocating for a broad district for laws that affect an entire nation. But they're bad examples of representatives because they're not speaking on your individual behalf for your individual concern. So they are not an intimate representative. They're kind of a distant representative from you. And so they don't know fully who you are, but in our heads, that's what representative tends to mean. But the actual definition is more like power of attorney. Do you know what a power of attorney is? So I've had to get familiar with this. Um, my, my dad has um, had Parkinson's for the last 10 years. And over the last year, it's gotten really bad and um, to the point where he can't make decisions on his own. And so I'm an only child, and so I'm appointed his power of attorney. And so because I have had conversations with him about what he wants to happen with his finances, what he wants to happen with his health, what he wants to happen with his home, I get to stand as his representative every time there's a challenge that he faces so that I can speak on his behalf where he can no longer speak for himself. And that's exactly what's happening here. That, you, that Christ is like your power of attorney or the language of high priest. It's like your power of attorney standing before God for your individual interest. Now for Israel, their system was this high priest, a man who stood on behalf of the people of Israel in different ways, but it's particularly talking about one way here, that once a year he would go and stand before God, having cleansed himself and stand and make a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be relieved of the burden of our rebellion against God. And so the high priest had to be like us, but separate from us. So here it says he's like us in that he sympathizes with our weakness because he himself is beset with weakness. So he's not like the judgmental religious types that kind of are so morally good that they look down on those who are morally bad, but he's saying, I'm morally bad just like everyone else, 
So it's easy for me to advocate because I sympathize with the problem. Because we need someone who can sympathize with our pain to advocate on our behalf. But the bad news about that high priest is that because he's beset with our weakness, he can't overcome our problems. He can't overcome our pain. And so he can sympathize with it, but he can't do anything about it. This is why when Jesus comes in, he's way better than the regular high priest. And then he becomes like us, God taking on flesh, dwelling amongst us as a human, dealing with our temptations, but not being overcome by them. Dealing with our problems and our pain and our loss and our grief, but not being held captive or being destroyed by them. And so we now finally have a high priest like us, but different from us in the ways we need him to be different from us. See, every high priest before would struggle with sin, would struggle with temptation, would struggle with all these pains, but could never overcome it. But Jesus overcame death, and so he could overcome every sin and every difficulty and every struggle that you face. And so he's a better representative, better acting on your behalf than anything else. But the question is, how are his actions better? So he's a better representative, but how are his actions better? And I want to focus on two ways. The first is sacrifice, and the second is as a son. Sacrifice and as a son. So the perfect sacrifice. So in the sacrificial system, they would kill animals so that the blood would cover sin. (laughs) Have you ever wondered why? Like, why sacrifice? So to try to relate it to it, I'm going to talk about the many parking tickets that I've gotten here in New York City. Anybody have a car and have the struggle and know the struggle is real? So we do alternate side parking, which means every week, Monday and Thursday, I got to sit in my car for an hour and a half so the street sweeper can come by. And then even after he's gone, I have to sit there and wait till that hour and a half is over. Because if I leave five minutes early, the parking guy's like watching me. And he's like, time to give that man a ticket. So if you get the, if you have these tickets, you've now broken with the system and you have to get right with the system by payment. And if you don't do it, you get fined and then you get towed and then you have to pay extra to get your car out of their, their tow truck. I don't like the system. I'm anti the man, but it's still the system. I didn't make it, but I got to submit to it. In similar fashion, when you and I rebel against God and he says, this is the way you should live. This is what is good for you. And we say, nah, I think I got a better idea. There is a cost that we experience emotionally and spiritually with our pain, but also in our separation. And so we can't be made right unless there's a sacrifice. And in the old system, it had to happen every year over and over and over and over again. So every time you did something wrong against your brother or your sister, your spouse, your kids, you had to sacrifice an animal because the cost of your rebellion had to have a physical cost in your life. And so Jesus comes and says, I will once and finally take on all of the sin on your behalf so you don't have to keep doing this over and over and over again so that you can actually experience a relationship with God that is uninterrupted by your actions or others' actions against you. This is what we celebrated last week. Good Friday, the sacrifice of 
Jesus on the cross saying, all of your sins, past, present, future, done, finished, forgiven. The system changed with Jesus, but you and I want to create new systems. See, the whole idea of the system was that you could get back to enjoying a right relationship with God, with the joy, with the peace, with the hope and the freedom that comes with knowing God. And so Jesus, knowing that we're separated, says, I'm going to step in to reconnect you with the hope and the joy and the peace that's found in knowing God. But even after that, we create our own systems of trying to make ourselves right with God. So all you have to do is believe. It says those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Their sins will be forgiven. But in religious circles and in non-religious circles, we still create new systems to find that joy, to find that peace, to find that hope. In religious circles in the church is typically guilt and shame. So we do something wrong and then we try to make ourselves feel guilty and shame and go through this cycle because we think if we beat ourselves up enough, if we think poorly of ourselves enough, then maybe God will once again accept us. And he's like, you're already forgiven. Just come back and be my son. Quit this game. In non-religious settings, we say, I'm going to find hope and joy and love in other ways. So I'm going to use people for pleasure so that I can find that sense of joy. I'm going to turn to alcohol to relieve my anxiety so I can finally feel peace. I'm going to throw myself into work so that I can find success and money and it can say you have worth. And Jesus is saying, why are you in this system and this cycle that just feels like punishment? He's the perfect sacrifice once and for all so you can be right with him to know the joy and the love that is found. It's a better action than doing this cycle. So get out of the cycle. But the second is that he is a perfect son so that you can once again be a child of God. So here in verse 5, it says, Not only did Christ not exalt himself, but he laid himself down for everyone else as the perfect high priest and perfect sacrifice. He says, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now, why was it important for him to be God's son? So that you could once again be restored to being a son and daughter of God. And not only that, he was already accepted, but he chose to be rejected. He was accepted so that he'd be rejected and forgotten so that you could no longer be forgotten, but could be accepted. So that you could once again, as a perfect son representative for you, Jesus, be attached to him and be his child, his son, his daughter, well-pleased, delighted in, and loved again. These are better actions than you could try to do on your own. But he did it for a great purpose. He did a great purpose for your neighbors and for your friends and for your family, but also just for you. And so I'm running through this because I really want to get to the benefits. Because I want to answer the question, why? What do you get as a result of having a better representative that did better actions? And it's these better, better benefits, and there's two And one involves personal responsibility, and one involves just personal benefits. Christ was your your priest on your behalf so that you would be a priest on someone else's behalf. Later on in the New Testament, Peter says, I have chosen you to be a royal priesthood 
a holy nation set apart that others would come to know me. Let me ask you this. Who do you love most in the world? Who would you give anything so that they could have the greatest joy and the greatest life? For me, it's my wife and my kids. And I think every day, what could I do on their behalf that their life would be better? What could I do on their behalf that they would never have pain, never have problems, never do anything like that? And so I I think about acting on their behalf. And so when you see Jesus acting on your behalf, think about the fact that you get to be Jesus to these people acting on their behalf. You are this direct line and representative to God so that you can now ask and go into his presence and say, I want them to know you the way I do. I want them to be blessed the way you have blessed me. Let them feel hope again and peace again like I have found in you. There's a personal responsibility and you have been placed in the building that you live in, in the job that you're in, in the family that you're in as this direct representative of Jesus Christ, God himself for them. Now, how are you doing on that? (laughs) Are we as good a representative of God as Christ is? The answer is no. But the question really is, why are we not? And and what I want to contend for you is that the reason that you are not a great representative is because you're not experiencing the personal benefits. It's not that you're not working hard enough. It's not that you're not reading your Bible enough or praying enough or doing all these spiritual things enough. It's that you're not experiencing the benefits of Christ's act on your behalf. And those particular benefits are the idea of being a child of God and walking in the freedom. Walking in the freedom of God. First, let me talk about being a child of God. Because this is how it changes the way that God relates to you. Here's, there's three different ways that we relate to God. One is God is some distant deity that has called us to do certain actions so that we can be made right with him. And we still act that way sometimes, as if he's far away and distant and no longer near in our lives. The other way is the way the disciples interact with Jesus side by side. They want Jesus to do all these things on their behalf, and they want to receive the benefits. The third way is what Jesus was ultimately after. He says, I'm going to go away so that the Holy Spirit of God can come and live in you. Not apart from you, far away, not beside you, but inside of you, God himself. And he does it for two reasons. One is that so you would feel God as a father to you, that you would be his son and his daughter. Now, why? There are ways to live as a son and a daughter that evidences that we'd believe that God is not a good father. One of those is that we're constantly waiting for the next shoe to drop. Like God has given us some good things, but he's just ready to take it away. Or he's given us some good things, but he's done, and so he's going to crush us now. And so we live in this fear-based relationship with God that's more like a slave than a son. But if we were to be his children, we would expect goodness from him. That when we ask for our job to be better, that we would expect a career turn that would come our way. 
that when we ask for the finances to actually come to cover the needs that we have and to get us out of debt and to move us beyond the struggle of paycheck to paycheck, that we would believe that God wants to provide for us. That when we are hurting, that we believe there's a God who wants to comfort us and heal us. I don't know about you, but there are too many times that I just don't live like that with God. I'm constantly afraid of Him instead of believing that He has my favor in mind, that He's favorable towards me. And so if you were to be a son or a daughter of God that actually enjoyed being a child, it would look like just wanting to spend time with Him, wanting to walk through the days with Him. My, my little daughter, she's eight years old, and her favorite thing for me to do with her is just to hold her hand and skip down the street And I feel like an idiot when I do it. But the joy on her face of just experiencing a father's love is worth every amount of being a fool. And we are invited into this relationship with God that's filled with joy and life and laughter. And we're too busy trying to slave away to make him happy with us. And he's like, I'm already pleased. If you are in Christ, my spirit is in you, and you are my child. It's way easier to be representative of God when you're his son, when you're his daughter, to come experience those benefits. But the second is freedom. So when the Holy Spirit of God comes, it's the same spirit that broke Jesus out of that tomb to be freed from death And therefore, it's the same freedom that is offered to you. Now, here's what that means for me. I struggle with anxiety. And a few years ago, that anxiety moved me into depression that was like slavery and captivity. That every day I would wake up and I would just cry out to God and be like, I don't have energy for today. I just need energy for now. And for three years, I just struggled with that over and over and over again. And the only thing that actually worked for me. I went to counseling. I explored medication. And the only thing was experiencing the Holy Spirit coming in and to set me free from anxiety and to set me free from depression and the power of God becoming manifest inside of my life as real and true and not some cosmic idea, but as a personal reality. Are you walking in the power of God to set you free? What addiction What struggle, what sin is holding you back from becoming who God made you to be? There is a freedom that is found and offered to you in God that the world cannot offer. That the Holy Spirit of the living God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And the question is, are you tapping into that power? Are you trusting in a power that will never accomplish what you want it to be? The personal responsibility of being God to the world is crushing unless you know the benefits of living as a child of God and the freedom of God. And so I ask, have you lived as a son or a daughter of God? Are you living like a slave? 
Where do you want to see God's power and His freedom become manifest in your life? What is it that you want Him to do this week? What is it you want Him to do right now that you're like, I'm sick and tired of this sin. I'm sick and tired of this struggle. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. The power of the Holy Spirit is not something that just rose Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago. It is alive and active in our world now. And the invitation is to keep in step with God as His child and experience that freedom. And the only question for you and I today is, will we accept it? Will we receive that power? So the question is how? If you've never submitted and surrendered to, your, to God and salvation, first as you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus as your representative so that you can be attached again to God. There's no other way to experience being a child and those benefits and those blessings and that power outside of surrendering to God as the Lord, director of your life. And so it's in salvation, calling upon the name of the Lord. But salvation is not enough. Salvation is not enough. That when, if you have already surrendered in salvation, the next step is to receive by prayer, by surrender, saying, God, work in my life where my effort has failed. Provide in my life where I could not provide for myself. When the disciples did not have the Spirit, how did they receive it? By prayer. When other people needed physical healing, emotional healing, when they needed provision, how did they get all this? By prayer prayer. It's not just a spiritual act, but it's tapping into the power of God. Which do you need to do today? Surrender for the first time or surrender for the thousandth time by prayer receiving from God the power that you don't have on your own, but the power that you need in your life today? Which is it for you? Let's pray, and let's move into a time of response and surrendering and asking God to show us what we need and to give us what we need. Please pray with me. Father, you know everyone's struggle. You know everyone's difficulty. You know the distractions that we all brought in tonight. You know the fears, the hopes, the longings that we all have. And so, Father, I pray that you would meet every person exactly where they are tonight. If they have felt like you are far, that you would feel near. If they have felt like they have lost and failed, that you would succeed on their behalf. Father, more than a message, more than a song, more than anything else, they just need you and your power. And so I ask that your Holy Spirit would fall to pour out blessings, and to pour out freedom as only you can. So just as we sang earlier, Holy Spirit, come, fill this place, 
fill our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.